Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, everybody. It is episode 42. And today, we are going to chat a little bit about a tiny, tiny, another tiny wine region called Switzerland. Switzerland. And it is a tiny, tiny country. That is bordered by France and Germany and Italy. Italy. It's like insane because they don't have their own language. They don't. They just speak like whatever language they're closest to on the border. And when we went there, because I've been to Switzerland, I'm like, you can go to the French side, the Italian side. And I thought it was the first country I've ever been to that doesn't have their own language. Well, surprise, bitches. (laughs) Surprise, bitches. Does everybody speak everything then? I don't think so. I think it depends on, like, what area you grew up in. But it's, like, again, a small country, right? Yeah. It's weird. All right. They love cheese. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, they've got, like, lots of fun. I'm just going to open this. Yeah, I was just going to say, why don't you pop it? So we are going to be opening a 2015 Petite Arvine. So that is a... Petite Arvine is a unique wine grape to Switzerland... Uh, if I'm not mistaken. And Sarah has this bottle. Oh my God, that was fantastic. How did we obtain this bottle? Yes, this is the fantastic story. I have no idea. Isn't it fantastic, guys? (laughs) She has no clue where this bottle showed up. And all of a sudden she's like, I have a Swiss wine, but I I don't know where it's from. I feel like I've had this wine sitting (laughs) in my collection forever, but like I literally, I know I didn't buy it. (laughs) I literally have no idea where it came from. No, and it's very weird for someone to bring you a Swiss wine as a gift, right? Because it is unusual. Yeah. So like this is like some sort of divine intervention is all I'm saying. It, it truly is. And the other thing is that I actually did buy this wine. Oh yes, thank you. Because I, I, I know when we saw Not it in for the you store, though. I was like oh, thank really you. shocked that it actually existed because I was like, oh, I just thought this shit just showed up in my house. Like I didn't think they actually sold it. Yeah, we were chatting to one of our wine guys, and he's like, oh, there's this cool Swiss wine. And we're like, really? Let's see it. Sarah's like, I have that bottle. I have that exact bottle. Don't know where it came from. At my house. No idea. Anyway, let's cheers to that. Let's cheers cheers to Swiss wine. Cheers to magically appearing wine. I'm okay with that. That can happen more often. I am too. This is By very the way, golden. So golden. It's so golden. And the other thing to note is that it says on the bottle, potential for aging is like five years. So we're on the cusp. Yeah, it's a 2015. So it's 2019. Okay. I feel I need to... So a for all of you listeners out there who cannot see the swine, we'll, we'll send some pictures uh, on our site and Instagram. This Ooh. is Petit Arvine. It's uh, by <laughs> It's by Renee Favre and Fields. Um, and it's 100% Petit Arvine. Uh, so we'll kind of get into that. Uh, and it's from a specific area in Switzerland called Chemosan. Yes. <laughs> I'm taking, I'm going to take some pictures so we're going to post them. And it is 14% ABV. That is pretty high for a white. Pretty high for a white for a white wine. Serving temperature 54 to 57 degrees Fahrenheit. I think we're about that. Probably. It was chilled and then that? we 54 to 57. Yeah. It was chilled and we took it out of the fridge for a little bit. Warmed so it up a bit. 
All right, well, here we go. Because of the super golden color. It's very creamy. I, I'm i not sure that I get that. No? I get a, a slight, like on the end, it's like smooth. It's giving me the tingles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I expect this to be like a very oaky Chardonnay. It is no. not. It no, is not. No I have like lemon, like mm -hmm. in the corners of my mouth. Even after I swallow, it's just it's like, like there. creamy and lemony and citrusy. Oh, citrusy, like beyond yeah. belief. This is the primary. Primary like, nose. There's some sort of palette. like light floral taste, maybe. Do you think it's kind of like a Viognier then? Because like it does have I, more of that creamier. aromatic floral. Agreed. It's heavier than a. Uh, Fiona. So let's see. All right, what so does the wine people say? Okay. Grapefruit. Pithy, so pithy grapefruit. It is an authentic Swiss varietal, which we'll talk about. They have been growing uh, vines since 1851. 120 years. Not first. What? 1851. No, that's more than 120 years. <laughs> Okay, I, 160 sorry. years? 100, 120, almost 70 years. It's a 120 year old family owned vineyard. Okay. But the, well, you know, you're contradicting yourself here. <laughs> One thing is saying 120 year old family vineyard, and this is telling me they're making wine since 1851. Okay, don't make me do the math. 160, some, 100, close to 170, to be honest. Whatever. All right. 168. It's a I long did the math. time. No. 169. 160. Fuck, I don't know. All grapes for this wine come from the winery's own properties. It's a bouquet dominated by citrus, rhubarb, and wisteria. Okay. What the hell is I don't know. Wisteria? Okay, I think of wisteria lane from Desperate yeah. Housewives. It's but a that's flower. A yes. Soft palate developing on a solid structure with a somewhat salty finish. All right. Enjoy it as an aperitif with veal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Chills. <laughs> With veal, <laughs> poultry and sauce, seafood, and aged dry cheeses. Well, we have. Oh, this could be cheeses. really good with Parmesan, actually. We got something close to that right here. What are we taking? What are we eating? We are eating Bellavitano cheese. Which one? Merlot. It's delicious. It's delicious. I can't remember what that is. Sorry, guys. It's good. That's what I'm thinking you're describing is no, like... that's the Bella Vitano. But what's Bella Vitano's... Sorry. Bella Vitano is like my favorite cheese. Anything of theirs. All right. I'm going to make a quick plug oh, for Bella Vitano. This is like a goat cheese cheddar type situation. Oh, that's interesting. It's good. It's good. I just Yeah, this is like that. a special kind of cheddar hmm. that has like some sort of goat in it. Yeah, it's this is good. <laughs> Not goat meat, goat milk. Sorry, um, I hadn't tried that yet. I forgot what it was. Quick plug, I don't know that they're selling it right now, but that Bella Vitano, like the peppermint one, is looks just. This is like a segue off of like the weird chocolate conversation that we had last week. Yeah. Weird cheese, peppermint and cheese. You're like, this looks. This is not okay. It is great. Not that peppermint and goat cheese. The peppermint Bella Vitano is specifically amazing. All right, that's my. I feel like everything they make is good. I agree. Plug for our state, but there, there's stuff everywhere. I didn't even know that that was from Wisconsin. Yeah, I, they even have it in Costco. Yes, bigger ones. Get it. Which is good. It's so good. All right. So Petite Arvine, mm -hmm. Switzerland. This is good cheese. I haven't tried that yet. It's the goat one? Yeah. Yeah, no, Cheddar, it's super whatever. yummy. I, I haven't tried that yet. It. 
I'm not sure. I don't remember. My husband probably bought it. Damn it. Well, I opened it and threw the thing wrapper out and didn't even look at it. Oh, so. no. Oops. We'll All be right. in the hunt. All right. So Petite Arvine. This is a white wine grape. And it is unique, like I said before, to Switzerland, specifically to the Valet region. And Switzerland... But let's let's spell valet. Oh, it's that's It's not true. like valet, like V-A-L-T. you park in your car. No. It's V-A-L-A-I-S. Yep. So I suppose I could be mispronouncing it. No, that's right. Oh, okay. Switzerland, for being so tiny, mm-hmm. it actually has several wine regions, which is kind of funny because you don't wouldn't expect that for it being so tiny. But I will say that... Um, Petite Arvine, it says um, they plant about, and this is in 2009, so this is like a decade ago, so let's yeah. keep that in mind, um, planted about 380 acres or 154 hectares of this particular varietal. Hmm. Uh, they do believe that it originated in the Valley region in about 1602, so that's that's kind of cool. I mean, I would expect then that these vines are pretty yeah. old. Yeah. Pretty fucking old. Agreed. Um, there's nothing wrong with being old, though. It's like fine wine. You get better as you age. It's like grapevines. So they, they use malolactic fermentation? They did? Well, most of the time. Oh. They do. What are you looking at right now? I am looking at a special book. Your atlas? My atlas. Your world atlas of wine. Um, so... This is, I think, what's giving it the creaminess. Oh, sure. Um, and this compensates for any natural excess tartness. So I think that there's a citrus that could be tart, tart-ish, but if they use, and I'm assuming they did, use malolactic fermentation, that would explain the creaminess of Yeah, this. it softens it a bit. And malolactic fermentation is sort of creates this... Creaminess. Creaminess in white wines, yeah. specifically. And so you see that in um, a lot of those creamier wines. But, um, you know, I guess the Swiss, it's saying that they do this with the majority of their wines. So that makes sense. Yeah. But the Swiss wines, this is why it's kind of interesting that that is one of their common practices. Because Swiss wines tend to be pretty crisp and light. And when you use malolactic fermentation, I think, and that's when you get those really buttery Chardonnays, especially from California. Mm-hmm. That I think it it I'm not feeling that here. It's not weighted down. Well, because you're turned you're heavy. turned off by the oak. But malolactic fermentation does that. Yeah, but I think that that what you don't like from the Chardonnays from California is probably the oak. Is the oak? I don't think you not like the malolactic fermentation. I think you don't like really oaky, buttery Chardonnays. You like your stainless steel. Oh yeah, Mm. like there's some Chardonnays we've had that you've enjoyed that have been like Asian stainless steel and that are more crisp and like don't have any oak on them. Yeah, you impress me with a Chardonnay. You impress me for life, guys. Did you hear that? Give me a good shard, and mm-hmm. I'm yours. Oh. I mean, I'm married, but I'm yours. Sean, where are you at? <laughs> this is Sean. This looks like a white wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so this Petite Arvine specifically tends to make drier to medium... Oh, shit. Wait, actually, it can make dry, medium, dry, or sweet wines. 
What? How this would is you? Not sweet. It's not sweet, but I almost think that it's, it's like an dry. off dry. Right? Yeah, I think it's more medium. A little bit. Medium. It smells a little sweeter when I. I don't know if that's power of persuasion, but I don't think it's sweet. Apparently, the no, it's it doesn't taste sweet by any means. It smells a little sweeter. It's one of those wines that can trick you on the nose. But I think that it says here that these are thick-skinned berries, and so there's a little more contact, and that might be where we get more of this golden color too because more of that color is imparted during sort of that crushing phase, I would expect. So interesting. Do you get any ginger? I, no. Any pepper? Any salinity? Yes. I definitely get the salinity. I am just... Uh, verbalizing typical notes of Petit Irving. So salinity, think sea. So then it's going to pair well with stuff from the ocean. Oh, sure. Like your oysters. Shellfish. Yep. yep. Um, and then, you know, they're saying uh, pinch of bitterness. I'm not sure about that. What Tropical is that? Pinch fruits? of bitterness? Yeah. Papaya kumquats. And guava. All right. I can't say I've ever had a kumquat. What is that? What is that? I've heard of it, and I think I've seen it, but I don't don't know that I've... I feel like it sounds like a really good (laughs) words with friend word. I should probably use that in the future. I don't really get... They do say grapefruit, lime, and... I do feel like this... Apple jelly on the nose. Who eats apple? That's that's such a weird descriptor. Apple butter. But... I think that, the, no, I think that this is actually, it's very, it's very citrus forward. Um, I think that that is a dominant flavor, both not, not only the, the nose, but also on the, on the tongue, on the palate. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's like one of those like refreshing, like light, crispy things. And to me that it just, it screams summer. It, it, this wine is also said to take on rhubarb flavors, this particular petite arvine. Um, in fact, that is why I purchased it a couple months ago because I purchased it because our friend at uh, at Thief actually told oh. me about the rhubarb, and I was like, my dad loves rhubarb. Oh, I do remember that. So I bought this wine to take him for Thanksgiving, and we drank it the night before Thanksgiving. And it was good. Did the you whole like family, it? yeah, we we poured it for the whole family, and everybody really kind of liked it. It was sort of like the the starting wine for the evening. Got it. I could see yeah. that working out well. But I think that this wine is also one of those that's very, it's easily sippable. It's a very, I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe I want to be in the patio pounder season. (laughs) But I think that this is. We are a little bit. This is not. This is, yeah, right. We're in like 10 degree Mm -hmm. weather. Um, This is not quite the patio pounder where it drinks like lemonade, but I do think that it is one of those like refreshing things. You could even make a spritzer out of this. And I don't know if wine people generally scoff at that, but I could see adding a little, a little sparkle to this and it'd be really exceptional during the summer. So do you want to know where the word Arvine came from? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. I will tell you. So it dates back to 1602. From the name Arvina, which could mean upstart or new arrival. Really? Yes. So there is a gross Arvine 
which sounds bigger, but Arvine is wait, almost... Wait, ex- there's a wine? There's a grape varietal called Gross Arvine? I believe so. But uh, Arvine is almost exclusively grown in Valais, where it produces mm-hmm. drier sweet wines of international standard, and then again, citrus aroma and refreshing acidity. Um, but you can find it in other Swiss wines as well. But yeah. Upstart or new arrival? That seems like a very positive twist. So they think it's because it's part of an orf. They think it's an orphan variety because DNA testing has not found any relatives to it, um, and they cannot. Um, they they have allegedly traced it back to Roman origins, but that has not been substantiated. It's an alien. It's an alien. Shit. I'll drink it. I'm drinking aliens. I'll drink it. So it says here too that wines produced from this varietal are typically very high quality. I'd say that this is this does not taste like a particularly cheap wine. I'm trying to remember Did, how much I, I think paid it was for. like twenty something like 20, that. Twenty. It might have been like twenty four. Like yeah, twenty. Yeah, I remember being with you when you bought it. Yeah, and I think it was about that. And I was sitting there thinking, where did this wine come from? <laughs> $23 bottle of white wine. If anybody listening from bought Switzerland. this, if anybody listening bought this for Sarah, please. I'm like, please reach out I and let her know. And didn't know and blacked out and somehow bought it for myself, which mm-mm. I don't know. Anyway, okay, so Petite Arvine can be enjoyed. You said very, like, seafood yeah. and, you know, things from the sea because of the salinity, that which I think is an excellent way to remember good pairings. Yeah. Also really good, it says cheese fondue. Well, I honestly so think creaminess. that's just because Switzerland, that's like all they eat. So I'm pretty sure that's why it says Dude, that. Switzerland is basically Wisconsin. So basically, <laughs> like when you get to the airport. <laughs> oh, the you, Switzerland airport. When you, yeah. When you get there. <laughs> I that you like are on the little like train that takes you like to baggage claim or whatever. Okay. And like there's cows mooing in the background because it's like... <laughs> It's like part of their thing. So like they have cows <laughs> everywhere. And then they're like, you're in Switzerland. And then there's like cows mooing. And I'm like, this is so interesting. So anyway, yeah, totally. It's like basically Wisconsin. But like fondue is like their thing. And then raclette, which is like another cheese dish. Yeah. I don't Everything's about cheese there. I mean, yes, in Wisconsin, everything's about cheese. But not to the extent of Switzerland. I feel like in Switzerland, it's like... A meal. I must go. Yeah. Like, you dip everything. Like, fondue is king there. I mean, this sounds... Yes. Okay. I'm there. I will be there. So, I think (laughs) the fact that it says that it pairs well with fondue is because that's, like, one of the only things they eat. This also... (laughs) So, it also has a great acidity, and I think that because of that, and it's kind of fruity, it... Again, will pair well with some of those sushis. I feel like this is similar to, like, a dry Riesling, where, like, you could... Mm-hmm. You could easily swap out Petite Arvine for a dry Riesling where it would pair regularly. Or maybe an off-dry Riesling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Switzerland? Yeah. Okay, for it being so tiny and the number of countries... I don't even know how many countries are in the world. Do you? Okay, that's too many numbers. Did you just ask me how many countries are in the world? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Should I know that? Is that common knowledge? I think, pretty sure I learned it in sixth grade, but I don't remember. We got to look this up, DVP. All right, you look it up, and while you're looking that up, 
Switzerland, consider its size, is this ranks 17 in the entire world. So there's 195 countries in the world today. All right, so this tiny little like pinpoint on a map. Yeah. Switzerland ranks 17th in the world in volume of wine production. So it comes in just behind Hungary and Canada, which is hmm. our I mean Canada is Canada's huge. Massive. But I know that you actually went there, and um, I know we're going to plan to talk about some Canadian wines in the future. But Hungary, I know, is known for producing some very well-known wines, particularly some sweeter wines, I think. Switzerland is 17, but the other super impressive fact about Switzerland Mm -hmm. and the fact that they make that much wine is that most of Switzerland, the elevation is too high. Because of the mountains. Yeah. So it's too cold to grow grapes for wine. Yeah. It's like snowy as shit. Yeah. So when you consider that, it's amazing that they actually have this volume of production. Um, they must do it on the foothills or something. I believe that's true. And they do it, um, again, it's sort, of, it's sort of pocketed. So there is a sort of French-focused winemaking region, a German-focused winemaking region, in an Italian-focused winemaking region. Each of them have their own specialty grapes, Let me guess if you will. what they're modeling their winemaking techniques on for each region. Does the French region model after Oh, the sure. Mm-hmm. However... Uh, did you know... Tell me. That Switzerland <laughs> has some of the highest vineyards in Europe? Yeah, I did know that. And the steepest. Ah... And the steepest, too. It's similar yeah. similar to Germany in that regard, yep. right? Yep. Because they also have are home to some of the first vineyards on the Rhine and the mm-hmm. Rhone, which the Rhine is Germany and the Rhone is France. The Rhone is France, yeah. So some of the very common wine grapes are Chasselas, okay. which is a white wine, mm-hmm. Pinot Noir, yeah, so. which... It's called Blauburgunder. That's hilarious. Um, in Switzerland. The Swiss drink twice as much red wine as white. They're my kind of people, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so most <laughs> of what they drink, though, is Pinot Noir. This constitutes 58% of all their plantings. Holy shit. Do you think they do a good job? I don't know. We must find one. Because the other thing, yeah, I, this I is, mean, it's similar to, similar to Slovenia, where the majority of the wine that they that they make is drunk in Switzerland. Okay. They don't export a ton of it, which is why we don't see a ton of it. And you're probably only going to find it in unique, like, wine shops, like local wine shops. And I don't remember drinking Swiss red wine when I was in Switzerland. Really? They're just, it's, it seemed to me, and I could be completely mistaken, because apparently they're a huge wine-loving country. Yeah. That they were all about the beer. Maybe where you went was particularly about the beer. It was all about the beer, and so wine was kind of a second thought. And so, like, you know, we just, we drank wine, but as opposed to going, like, Germany and France, where you're, like, looking for German wines and French wines and whatever, I didn't feel like... Because you probably had no fucking clue that Switzerland... No, I had no idea. I didn't feel like... was a reputable wine country. Yeah, I didn't feel like any... But I also didn't feel like anyone was, like, pushing Swiss wine on us, like... Being like, hey, you should try this. Now, the fondue was pushed on you and also delicious. That was probably, it was delicious. <laughs> I will say, I think by day three, we all kind of were like. Don't say it. 
Please, can we not have found fondue for Don't that? say it. But it I was delicious. Specifically cheese fondue? Yes. Okay. All right. And okay. the raclette is like, it's interesting. <laughs> it's good. It's interesting. Not an every meal kind of experience. I just feel like I like to chew my cheese. What? Did you say chew your cheese? Yeah. So like fondue is like, it's just like <laughs> melty. Melty. I like melty. But what am I dipping in my melty? <laughs> Jamie's dying right now. <laughs> I'm just like picturing a big bowl of Velveeta. <laughs> it's not like that though. It's like way less yellow. <laughs> I'm crying a little bit. It's like white melty stuff. Anyway. Okay. I'm All sorry. right. We drink. We digress. As we digress. Always. Um. But okay. So here's another thing, though, because I'm curious. So I was intrigued to find out that this seemingly very familiar grape to many has multiple names. It's Pinot Noir, because in Germany it's called Spätburgunder. Okay. And oh my God, good pronunciation. Thank you. I've been practicing. And then <laughs> uh, in Switzerland it's Blauburgunder. Which also then makes me think like it's like Blaufrankisch, which is an Austrian grape. Right. A year ago, I probably would have seen this. If I had gone there and I'd seen this on a menu, I'd be like, no, I'm not trying that. Right. However, now I think I have opened up the pathway to try new wines. And I think that I would have been open to this. But I also wish that somebody, I would hope that people there are able to describe this as, this is Petit Noir. To be... <laughs> petit <laughs> Pinot Noir. <laughs> I was just like, I said something so wrong. Um, this is Pinot Noir. However, also important to recognize that even though there are some grapes that are relatively common throughout the world, anywhere you go is going to have a different expression name. of it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily name, but different expression of it. And so this oh, is going to be true. coming from, you know, slightly cooler climates. I think that their wines tend to be a lighter and crisper is what I yeah have come to learn through reading but they also tend to have a little bit more spice to them and i'm not quite sure where that comes from but i think that's really interesting because it's like a very light crispy even red wine it's crazy and yet it has a spice that really kind of makes it unique in nature so i think part of the reason that we don't know about swiss wine yeah is because Switzerland, the wine market was only opened in 2001. What? Yeah. You mean the exporting market? Right. Holy cow. Yeah, no, that would definitely take a while. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason. Um, Hmm. I'm trying to figure out what chocolate I'm going to eat. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um... So, the Swiss do love wine, like we've talked about. They import about 60% of their wine, including a ton of Burgundy. And the reason being is Wait, that... they import? They import a bunch of Burgundy. Oh, I see. The reason being is because although they can make a ton of wine, their prices are super expensive. In Switzerland? Switzerland. So, wow. They can't produce, like, a ton of wine to keep up with... Like, making the right kind of money, right? Mm, okay. So, yeah. It's not this huge... 
I think that's the part of the reason we don't see it as well is because they cannot mass produce for those reasons. All right, listen, I'm on wine.com, mm-hmm. and although most of these wines are unavailable, which is really disappointing, they don't seem to be listed super expensively. There are some for like $61, which I'm sure makes sense, but there are other ones that are like $22. So similar to this, similar mm-hmm. to the Petite Arvino. Yeah. So. But if you think of mass production, $22 is not cheap. For mass production, no, it's mm-hmm. not. So Swiss, okay, this is a fun statistic that I read. In 2016, uh-huh. Swiss residents drank 89 million liters of domestic wine, which made up a third of the total 235 million, million liters of wine quaffed in the country. Wow. And so, the, okay, that's as much, therefore, is imported, yeah. so obviously... Um, only around 1% of Swiss wine is exported and mainly to Germany. So mainly to those those regions that are right around them. So right? that's the other reason we don't see anything. And I think that's the same thing we heard about Slovenia too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fun fact. Okay. Can I go to another fun fact? Yeah. Because this really surprised me. So there is a vineyard called Ceylon. S-A-I-L-L-O-N. Mm-hmm. It is in the Valais region, same place where our wine is from that we're drinking. <clears throat> it is thought to be the tiniest vineyard in the entire world. Okay. And on top of that, it's owned by the fucking Dalai Lama because it was bequeathed to him in 1999. Bequeathed? And it produces a few thousands of bottles of wine that are sold to benefit underprivileged children. Oh my God. Amazing. So amazing. I mean, not only does it taste good, but it does good. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to that That's shit. That's amazing. Mm. And that was a good cheers, man, if I have to say. It was. I'm like downing my chocolate. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple other really... So I said Pinot Noir is a really popular red wine there. Mm-hmm. They grow Gamay, Merlot. I, I mean, I think the Gamay is obviously going to come on the French side of things because that is a french grape typically um sauvignon blanc which we actually talked about that is a parent of sauvignon Sauvignon blanc Mm -hmm. it's the savage blanc is basically like what it um translates to and it's because it kind of grows all crazy Mm -hmm. um these other two gamma ray or gamma ret and gara noir i'm not too i'm not particularly familiar with those um, but there is another wine that is a red wine that is indigenous to Switzerland called Rouge de Pays. Excuse me. It also says in the wine Bible, it is incorrectly called Cornelin. Huh. Locally. Interesting. And it is the source of a super juicy, spicy wine, redolent of black cherries and pomegranates. I think that sounds delicious. That does sound delicious. If I can get my hands on some of that shit... Yeah. You're down? I actually, I really want to try that. Um, Chasselet, again, or Chasselas is again, it's a popular grape in Switzerland. It is known in Valais as Fendant. And it is known in, which Valais, again, is sort of that French side. In the German side, it's known as Gutadel. Oh. Uh, It makes light-bodied wines, ranging from neutral quaffing wines to 
What is up with quaffing right now? I don't know. Okay. Kumquats, quaffing. Kumquats, quaffing, all the things. Quaff. I can't think of French words right now. <laughs> um, and neutral quaffing wines to crisp whites laced with citrus and almond flavors. Mm. Uh, Sylvaner, which is also a German wine. Um, Sylvaner is also sometimes um, like similar in nature to Riesling or that Muller Thurgau. Muller Thurgau. Always reminds me of saying Mou- Nestle Toulouse. Yeah. Muller Thurgau. Nestle Toulouse. Nestle Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Which is also a funny link here. Français? To Switzerland. Yeah. Swiss chocolate. I know. A Swiss dude was buddy-buddy with Henry... Toulouse. Toulouse. I'm sorry, no. (laughs) Henry Nestle. (laughs) We were just excited, guys. We just like friends too much. Oh, Phoebe. Um, But he's... This guy, Peter, from Switzerland, Daniel Peter started making chocolate with his friend, Henry Nestle, and then they started Nestle Chocolate Company. That's amazing. I I know. And this was in 1875. I mean, the Swiss know their chocolate. That's for damn sure. So Switzerland is a very unique place. It's a tiny country. Yeah. Not a lot of land that is available, I think. Not their I own think. language. Not their own language. So if you want to say cheers, it's going to depend on what Where part you are? of the area you're on. So it could be... Let's say Prost, which is German. Okay. Salute. French, right? Isn't that salut? Salut. Sanche. I don't know. So, like, there's an Italian, a French, and German. I'm sorry. Salut means hi in French. Yeah, but they use it for cheers, too. Oh, they do? Sometimes, yes. Oh. So, salut. I feel like I, I'm so proud of myself that Salute. I remembered that. Salute. Salute. Yeah. It means hi. So, um, anyway. So, um, you, you could say cheers depending on where you're at. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. One other really cool thing, and this is, I think it's unique to Switzerland, um, but there is this thing called Fête des Vignerons, which is the festival of the winemakers, and it is a very unique um, festival because it doesn't happen annually. It actually happens with every generation of winemakers. So oh, from that's what I really can, cool. yeah. So from what I can tell, it's about every twenty years. Oh my god, that's not a lot. And the amazing thing. What's so the next the, one? Well, the last one was nineteen ninety nine, and guess when the next one is? It's this year. It's this summer, twenty nineteen. Bitches. Should go. And the theme changes. Who wants to sponsor us? <laughs> I think it's like July 26th to August 11th or something. And the cool thing is that they really kind of focus on and celebrate ancient wine growing traditions. So I really think that, from what I could see, they are they try very much to just kind of keep keep the culture alive, keep it, you know, just keep people remembering about where it all came from and why it's all happening. And it's it's everything. They have dancing, they have singing, they That's have amazing. winemaking, they have I think they have lectures and stuff too. It's it's everything. It's That's amazing. Yeah. I hope the Swiss people go to that. I'm sure a lot of people around the world go Again, to that. if somebody wants to sponsor us, I mean, we're just saying we'll go. We'll go. 
I have a passport. I do too. <laughs> it's um, stamped. What do you What do you think about this wine? I like it. I think it's unique because I feel like. Can I have a little bit more? Of course. I think mine's warmed up a bit. Thank you. That's good. Um, I think it's a little bit unique because it's creamy yet citrusy, and I feel like that is unique for a wine. You don't necessarily get the unique, but citrusy. you don't get the balance. No, like that's normally not something. I feel like when you have a creamy wine, it's not as citrusy. Yeah, and like citrusy, I equate with more of a crisp wine, and I think this has both, which is really interesting. Yeah, because it sort of marries the two mm-hmm. different experiences yeah. that you typically get with wine, because it's usually one or the other. Yeah. So I, I mean, so, I agree. I, I told you I like this wine when I got it for my dad. It's just is it so worth twenty plus. I don't know. I guess that depends on your perspective on white wine and it. Yeah, it depends on what you value your wine exactly. at, right? Like, do you value having this unique characteristic, or do you? Would you prefer to spend this money, same amount of money, on a varietal that you are like well versed in? Right. You yeah. know. So, but it's it's definitely interesting, and I would encourage people to seek it out. Oh, for sure. And if you live in the Milwaukee area, they do have it at Thief Wine. Yeah, I actually am curious if I, we go into one of some of the other local ones, if they would be able to get their hands on it. Because it seems like such a very limited amount that's exported still. Right. You know, 18 years after they started exporting. I, I am a little curious about where you would be able to get your hands on more of it. Because there might be specific cities and states that yeah. it exports to mostly. I'm sure New York has a lot. Um, I'm sure New York has a lot, actually, now that I think about it. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Oh, one other thing that I'll say, because it, it does mention here in the Wine Bible a few names that are, if you are looking, and these might be the ones that you can find on a shelf, maybe, uh-huh. um, good producers that are worth knowing. Okay. Um it could just be if you go there. So if you're planning a trip, scope these guys out. So Domaine des Muses, the house of the muses. Okay. Domaine I de Mont Milan, a fee. Okay. Um, Adrian Mathieu, or Mathieu, Ruvenais, and Angelo Delia. So obviously through that whole description you can hear that there's the french with the domains i i'm gonna assume that the adrian Mathieu might actually be a german maybe i don't know ruvenet and angelo delea sound to be more italian in name but i could also be wrong the ruvenet actually might be french shoot i don't know who knows you just got to go there and figure it out. You got to go. You got to figure it out. And again, I just really like, I honestly don't think a year ago I would have been open to trying this. So I think DVP. So think about how your horizons have expanded. I know. And I hope that we do that for some of our listeners. Yeah, guys. If you see something that you're not really like open to or have seen, then try it out. I mean, I know. I think our next expansion might be bulgaria yes we must so we are always interested in the unique wine areas and what can we find out 
It's like a for scavenger hunt. It it really is because there are like little pockets and like yeah. hidden gems throughout the hidden world. Hidden gems. I love that. Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I I mean I think that right now what we're tasting is probably I would actually argue is a little well it's a little it's a little German in nature, it's a little French in nature. Agreed. It's it's sort of that half and half. That although, makes it totally Swiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I really I really do kinda like this wine. I think it's good. Like it's it's pretty tasty. So um yeah, I would recommend doing it. There's over 200 grapes grown in this tiny ass region. I I I'm still insane. flabbergasted by the amount of wine that they make and the amount of the number mm-hmm. of grapes and the number of different techniques that are employed when they develop their wines. That it, who knew that this they could make, happen in its small tiny They make place? Merlot, they make Pinot Gris. Yeah. Like they make Oh yeah, Pinot Gris. Yeah. They make all sorts of wines that we're familiar with. So, like, who knows? I guess you have to go there to kind of experience it. Yeah. For sure. So, anyway, I say salut. You can yodel and drink wine at the same time, potentially. Is that the new Sam slurp? Is yodeling while you drink wine? ski. So, could you ski and yodel and drink wine? At the same time. What if you have like a camelback and you put wine in your camelback? You could do that. And then you get... Because I went to the top of Europe. Yeah. In Switzerland. You could bring some wine up there and then you could like... Cheers to the fucking world. Fuck. I wish I did that. Well, now you have to go back. Now I gotta go back. All right. All right. Okay. Yodel hee hoo. Yodel hee Salut. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Try to pick up... Try to investigate some of these. We encourage you to investigate... Some of these smaller <laughs> wine-growing regions, they're unique, but guess what? The bottles might be a little bit more expensive. Split them with a friend or two and just sit there just and try, try it out. out. It's unique. And if you hate it, you can dump it or give it to somebody who can't the taste the difference. Cows. It's just like Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.